Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together and talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. Yeah, Shane and Michael aren't here because this is a lost episode. It's in the right order that you're listening in. It is episode 85, Battle of the Belts, but it didn't get saved so I'm gonna just record this it's basically going to be a recap of the recap Battle of the Belts was the fourth supercard produced by Eastern Championship Wrestling so it is our first ECW show but they would team up with the World Wrestling Association to have this show on January 23rd 1993 at the Radisson Hotel in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with an attendance of 670 people. This show was in a hotel convention room. They're not even at the bingo hall yet, guys. But this is usually where I would send it to Shane for a food trip around the world. And let me tell you, he brought us some pretzels from Republic Pub House here in Oklahoma City with some beer cheese fondue and some habanero honey mustard. And the pretzel was delicious. The beer cheese fondue was delicious, which I'm not a huge beer cheese guy, which and I and I really liked it. But the habanero honey mustard, like I like a little bit of spice and it gives quite a bit of a kick. I really liked it. Michael even double dipped both of them. And he said he really liked that. But definitely check out those pretzels from Republic Pub. And then we talked about something that happened right around the same time as this show. And that was Andre the Giant would pass away from heart failure just four days later in a Paris hotel room while he was in town to attend his father's funeral. It's a very sad moment. Just knowing what Andre the Giant meant to the world of wrestling. And we kind of talked about our favorite memories of Andre. And obviously, WrestleMania 3 is definitely one of the top memories. That that was one of the biggest feuds that we saw him in uh, the entire time that we've been recording this show. We brought up, obviously, The Princess Bride, because he was great in that, and I remember reading a story at one point that he like literally always had a VHS tape of the movie with him and he would just like pop it into the VHS and bring all the wrestlers in and be like, let's watch me again. He he was so proud of being in that movie and his performance and everything. While we were talking, obviously all of us agreed that we would love to go back and watch some of the older Andre stuff back, like especially in Japan uh, with Anoki and Giant Baba and stuff like that. So that might be a episode that we, a house show that we do at some point. It's always a good idea. Just have to find the time to do it. But after talking about that, we just 
we went ahead and got into the show. And just for you out there, the video that we watched was we found the entire card on a DVD. It's basically like an old RF video where it's a hard camera from the entryway. There's no commentary. It's it's shot from down the entryway, basically, like right outside of the quote unquote locker room, which is basically the kitchen of this hotel. But you can go out there to Daily Motion. I, we found it out there as well. It's in two parts. So if you wanted to watch along with us, you could do that as well. Uh, it, it is out there in its entirety. It's You're going to turn it on. You're going to be like, this is not good quality. And I'm, that's exactly what we watched. I promise you. The quality, the production value of this video is not the best in the world. But the show, it's a fun watch. I'll say that much. We'll get more into that later. But our first match of the night, Chris Evans versus Surfer Ray Odyssey for the WWA Junior Heavyweight Championship. Now, Evans, not Captain America Chris Evans. We made a few jokes about that, I remember. Once again, trying to recap the recap. And he, dry, and he draws that local heat by criticizing the local football team. Cheap heat, right? Match gets going, and Odyssey hits a hip toss and a body slam to get us going, forcing Evans out to regroup. Ray follows out with a slingshot plancha, and it looks like Evans is going to be counted out. But Surfer stops the ref from counting before hitting a second slingshot plancha. Now once back in the ring, Odyssey stays on the attack with a back body drop, but then Evans hits a knee to the gut and tosses Ray out to the floor, following out with a top rope double axe handle and slamming Surfer's head into the apron. Odyssey comes back into the ring with a sunset flip for a two count, but Evans retaliates with an eye poke and slamming Ray's head into a turnbuckle and then hitting a bulldog. Surfer comes back with a clothesline, a drop kick, makes the cover, but they are too close to the ropes. Evans hits a super kick, whipping Odyssey chest first into the turnbuckle. Hits a leg drop and a pile driver, but Ray rolls to the apron to avoid being pinned. Another Irish whip and Evans charges into multiple big boots from Surfer, allowing Odyssey to come off the second rope with an elbow drop. But Evans is moved and he goes up to the top, only to miss a splash. Ray then hits a clothesline and a top rope dropkick. But Evans fights back with a shot to the gut, goes to pick him up, only for Surfer to cradle him up for a near fall. Evans then charges into a corner, but Odyssey leaps up and over for a sunset flip for the pin and the win. And our second match, the Lords of Darkness of Agony and Pain with Tricky Nicky versus the Super Destroyers, number one and number two with Hunter Q. Robbins III in a unification tag match for the WWA and ECW Tag Team Championships. Now, if you didn't get enough of them from last week, back on Raw that we covered last week, the Lords of Darkness, Agony and Pain, are the executioners who the Steiners beat down. They're in basically in the same area. This is in Pennsylvania. Last week, we were in New York. It's a train right away. It's a little bit of money for Dwayne Gill and, and his partner there. We then have the WWA promoter, Dennis Coraluzzo, who's a NWA Hall of Famer, 
would introduce his tag champs, while the ECW president, Todd Gordon, who's a hardcore Hall of Famer, basically ECW Hall of Fame, 2300 Arena keeps the tradition alive, calling it the hardcore Hall of Fame now, and he would introduce his champs. All four men would brawl to begin until the destroyers would Irish whip the lords into each other, which they would then roll to the outside to regroup. Once back in the ring, Destroyer 1 pushes Agony off, and Payne starts complaining about a mask pull, which brings Coraluzo back onto the mic to complain that they aren't getting a fair shake because it's an ECW ref in charge. That's a little, little bit of storytelling that'll pay off later in this show. Destroyer 1 hits a pump handle slam and a press slam on Agony, while Destroyer 2 guillotines him across the top rope. Number two then jumps out of the ring to attack Tricky Nikki, gets back in the ring, and the Destroyers live up to their name with basic big man offense on pain, including hitting a vertical suplex. Destroyer won with a side slam and a hip toss on pain, but the Lords of Darkness with a shot to the gut, and they double drop kick and double back elbow, number one. Agony with a back body drop, leg drop for a two count, but Destroyer 1 fights back with a single leg takedown and goes for a jackknife pin attempt for a two count. Destroyer 2 with a body slam and goes for an elbow drop, only for Agony to move, and Payne hits a back elbow, which brings everyone into brawl, including both of the managers, who use weapons on the opposing team. Everyone's laid out, someone's making a cover, and the ref counts a double pin but then gives the belts to the Destroyers. So a little ECW shenanigans. And then post-match, Coraluzo's on the mic, and he's just bitching about it. He's like, if this had been a WWA ref, this would have never happened. You know, that kind of thing. The match, not that great. Two shenanigans, even for any of us. But it's there. It's what it is. Our third match... Wild man Sal Balamo with the Cosmic Commander versus a mystery opponent with Woman. Now, we haven't seen Woman since Wrestle War 1990, which was episode 43. And she comes out and lets us know that Kevin Sullivan was supposed to be there to be the opponent, but he wasn't able to make it. So she calls out a man in a mask. Now, to let you know about this show, there was actually a wrestling convention earlier in the day at the hotel, so it didn't take the crowd very long to figure out who it was, and it didn't take us very long either, because his name was written on the back of his jacket, but the masked man keeps the mask on when the match starts. The commander pushes the masked man only to get hit with a discus punch. There's another clue. The wild man then attacks from behind, and he gets hit with the discus punch. Balamo's back up, and he grabs the mask, ripping it off. And it's Carrie Von Eric. Von Eric then, with an Irish whip, charges in, but Sal moves, sending Carrie into the ring post. Beat down time by Palamo with right hands, headbutts, a snapmare, before locking on a sleeper, which takes Von Eric down to the mat. Carrie starts firing up, putting a sleeper on of his own, only for the wild man to escape with a jawbreaker. 
Balamo then goes up to the second rope, coming off with a double axe handle. But Carrie catches him with the claw, releases it long enough to come off the ropes to hit a discus punch for a two count. Von Erich goes back to the sleeper, but Sal takes them over the top rope and they start brawling into the crowd. And the ref makes the ten count. Weak ending for a, uh, you know, you got Carrie Von Erich versus some local guy, like, does the local guy need to, you know, get the get the rub? Like, yeah. Post-match, Kerry would go after the Cosmic Commander, knocking him down on the outside. And Wildman would start yelling at him, throwing the wooden steps into the ring before going back to the locker room. Von Erich takes the mic and would accept it a challenge anytime and any place. Unfortunately, this would be Kerry Von Erich's final taped match. It's kind of one of the reasons why we watch this show. He would have one more match down in Dallas at the Sportatorium for his uh, family's promotion, but it wasn't taped. So this would be the final one. So our fourth match, Johnny Hotbody with Devious Donnie Allen versus Tony Stetson in a brass knuckles bull rope cowbell match. Yes, a brass knuckles bull rope cowbell match. It's a lot of words. It's almost longer than this match. Stetson charges the ring to attack Hotbody and knocks down Allen. Proceeds to hang Johnny over the top rope by the bull rope. They then begin to brawl on the floor using the bull rope, which ends up with both men getting busted open. Back in the ring, Stetson's choking Hotbody with the bull rope, but Johnny then hits him with a low blow and starts swinging the cowbell followed by several cowbell elbow drops, makes the cover for the pin, and the win. It's there. I believe these two guys probably had a rivalry going back, you know, at some of these local shows. So it is what it is. And then we get our fifth match. The Masked Superstar versus Davey Boy Smith. And the last time we saw the Masked Superstar was actually as Axe from Demolition at Survivor Series 1990, episode 50. I, I remember asking the guys which was worse, that the mass, that Bill Eby, Axe from Demolition, is wrestling at a local show under the mass superstar name, or that the British Bulldog, who was the Intercontinental Champion literally three months ago, is wrestling at this show. I think we all agreed that it was probably more Axe, the mass Superstar, just because he's having to go as the mass Superstar. And it gets even worse for him. Because Davy Boy, with a hip toss and arm drag, has an arm bar on, only for the Superstar to rake the eyes and body slam Smith. The mass Man whips Davy Boy to the corner and delivers a few knees, and then does another Irish whip and charges in. Only for Smith to move, pick up the superstar for the running power slam, for the pin, and the win. That's what I meant by it gets worse for him. We then go to our sixth match. The Spider versus the Sandman with Peaches in a unification match for the WWA and ECW Heavyweight Championships. First of all, Sandman is a member of the Hardcore Hall of Fame. And 
because I know Michael, he asks these kind of questions. So I already have it written down before he even asks me. The spider is better known as Headbanger Thrasher later on in the WWF. And Peaches is actually Sandman's real-life wife. We get Dennis Corluzzo coming down to the ring again, and he kicks the ECW ref out of the ring, replacing him with his own. Todd Gordon then comes down, and the two men argue, but finally agree that the WWA ref will be inside the ring, and the ECW ref will be outside the ring. I told you about that story story planning that they did in that tag match earlier. It's something. We're going to give them something here. Sandman actually comes out in a wetsuit and has a surfboard. First of all, Sandman was a surfer? This is something that none of us knew. Absolutely not. But the second thing is, we've had now two surfer gimmicks on the same show. And the only explanation I could think of was that Sandman is an ECW guy, while surfer Ray Odyssey in the first match was a WWA guy. It's the only thing I can come up with. Still, it's not a great look. The crowd lets us know who the heel in this match is, and it's Sandman, as they are chanting away that Sandman sucks. Spider starts off the match by hitting a thrust kick to send Sandman out to the floor. But once back in, Spider continues with a headlock takedown, only for Sandman to fight his way back up and send the Spider to the corner. Charging in, which the Spider leaps up and over to deliver an arm drag and another headlock takedown. Again, Sandman fights his way up, tossing Spider to the ropes, but he telegraphs the back body drop and the Spider face him. More headlocks, and this time, Sandman hits a back suplex to escape. Starts to get on the offensive in a corner, hitting a back elbow and a clothesline. But the spider is up, and the two men clothesline each other for a double KO. Sandman's up leaning on the ropes, only for the spider to clothesline him over to the floor. Now the Sandman makes his way back to the apron, when the spider, like, He's on one side of the ring on the apron, and the spider goes and jumps off the 90-degree angle rope for a springboard clothesline that sends them both out to the floor. Super cool move. Best, best thing on this entire show, probably. Once they're back in the ring, Sandman starts working the arm, and the cameraman at this point decides to get a close-up of Peaches, Peaches. He, he, he actually did that. But then the Sandman tosses Spider to the ropes, who comes back with a crossbody that the Sandman ducks, sending the Spider out to the floor. Sandman attempts to bring him back in with a suplex, but the Spider lands on top for a near fall. But Sandman goes right back into control with chokes, snapmares, a headlock. But the Spider fights back to escape and hits a sunset flip for a two count. Sandman with the clothesline, multiple knee drops. He then goes after Cora Luzo for a moment before Irish whipping the spider hard into a turnbuckle several times. He goes for a third one, but decides to boomerang him, sending him right back in to the previous corner. But the WWA ref has moved there, and he gets knocked down. Sandman makes the cover, but the WWA ref's out, so the ECW ref jumps in the ring 
and makes the two count. Sandman with a body slam attempt, but the spider floats over, hitting a back suplex. But Sandman's boot hits the ECW ref in the head as he's being lifted, so he's out as well. The spider then goes for a cover. Both refs are out. Socorro Luzo jumps in the ring to make the count. But then Todd Gordon jumps in the ring and breaks up Dennis's count. Todd then flips Sandman over on top of the spider and he starts making a count. But Coraluzo breaks that one up. Spider and Sandman are both up and they grab their opposing presidents, knocking them both down with stereo right hands. All of a sudden, the boys in the back from both promotions come down to the ring and jump in and they're all brawling until the ref calls for the bell until the, everyone can get broken up. So the official announcement is a double DQ. Yeah, that's what this show is, guys. But then we get the seventh match. Terry Funk versus Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert in a Texas Death I Quit match. The last time we saw either Terry Funk or Eddie Gilbert was at Clash of the Champions 9, all the way back in episode 35. So that's quite some time. That's, But this is also Terry Funk's very first match in ECW. And because it's such a important match, the cameraman is no longer down the walkway. He's at ringside, shooting up in between the ropes. Now Gilbert's led to the ring by a female manager, and then Woman comes running down to the ring to chase that female manager back. I have no clue who she is. I couldn't find anything. She's not really that important. To get the match going, Eddie takes an elbow and then is tossed out of the ring by Terry, who then drags Hot Stuff back in, only to toss him right back out. Gilbert makes it to the apron, but Funk continues to knock him back off to the floor. So Eddie decides he's had enough and just heads back to the locker room. But the ref goes out, gets Hot Stuff back into the ring, and Gilbert finally gets on the offensive by knocking Terry out to the floor, following out with an axe handle across the back. Funk begins to argue with the ref, slapping him upon getting back in the ring, and Eddie just continues the attack, getting Terry caught in the ropes using his pendulum swing that he does with each punch before finally falling out to the floor. Back in the ring, Funk chopping away on Hot Stuff's chest, working the arm, but Gilbert fights back and Terry goes out to the floor to regroup. Hot Stuff then takes the timekeeper's hammer and busts Funk open, starts biting away at the cut when Funk just falls out of the ring. Gilbert follows out, slams Terry's head multiple times into a table, and then they start brawling into the crowd before heading back into the ring. Hot Stuff has Funk in a reverse chin lock and calls for the, the ref to ask, but Terry says no. Funk trips up Eddie and applies the spinning toehold, but Gilbert knocks Terry down with a microphone-filled right hand. Hot Stuff then brings a table into the ring, setting it against the ropes, and then runs Funk right into it. Terry again falls out of the ring, head first, and Eddie follows out, where they begin to brawl as Gilbert starts hitting Funk over the head with a cookie sheet multiple times. I remember, I was like, a cookie sheet? Like, what? 
And Michael's like, the kitchen's right there. That's where the locker room entrance is, is the, is the kitchen. So a cookie sheet doesn't make that. It, it makes more sense than you think it does. I agreed with him. Terry starts fighting back with right jabs and a big left hook to bust hot stuff open. And back in the ring, Funk lays the table down on the mat. So, like, the legs aren't down. It's just sitting prone on the mat. And then he DDTs Gilbert right on top of it. More brawling on the outside of the ring, including Terry slamming Eddie's head into the table and slapping him repeatedly. Hot Stuff's begging for mercy, but he never says the magic words. Funk continues the attack with a vertical suplex, goes to run him into a ring post, but Gilbert reverses. They both roll back into the ring, and Eddie hits a pile driver and pulls out the F.O. from his boot, throwing a fireball into Terry's face. But Funk still won't give up, causing Hot Stuff to just call him crazy. Gilbert then brings the wooden steps into the ring and goes to slam Terry's head into them, but is reversed, sending Eddie's head into them. Funk is then screaming about Hot Stuff calling him crazy, starts slapping him across the face before Gilbert hits a low blow to send Terry out to the apron, followed by a running dropkick. Hot Stuff then, like, puts a leg out through the ropes to help drag Funk back in, but Terry starts to fight back, and Eddie's leg is trapped between the ropes. Funk then grabs the wooden steps and begins just slamming them across that leg that's trapped, while Gilbert screams out that he is breaking his leg. Terry just continues the attack, but Eddie won't give up and rakes the eyes of the ref to just get him away, so he can't ask him. But then Dennis Coraluzzo jumps in the ring with the mic, and Hot Stuff finally says, I quit! I quit! I quit! Post-match, Funk like starts heading to the back, but he goes out the wrong way, and he ends up collapsing in the midst of the crowd. Fans start calling for a medic, and all of us like agreed that it was kind of one of those like, how kayfabe is this? You know, it it felt almost very real. And just knowing Terry Funk and his medical condition, usually, it was very surreal. Terry finally makes it back to the locker room. He ends up walking through the lobby of the of the hotel to make it over there and Coraluzo catches up with him and tells him that Gilbert's crazy and the cameraman like the entire time is like following this and Coraluzo finally tells him to to get out and so the cameraman is putting the lid onto the camera but you can still hear audio a little bit but right before he puts the lid on the camera you can see Sid Vicious off in the corner in street clothes it makes sense. There was a convention downstairs before the show. And that was the end of the show. So normally, I would ask Michael and Shane their overall thoughts. Shane was not very happy that we watched the show. Neither was Michael. Though it was, they were like, the last match. The last match is very good. If you like that kind of, that style of match. I threw in there, I, I, I liked it more than they did. Absolutely I said that this is your usual indie style show with a lot of bad wrestling because it's a lot of local guys. 
But some big names made their way through town, so they got a payday. So I thought it was an enjoyable first glance at ECW because we're going to cover them more and more as you know time gets going. So I felt like the show was kind of just like, let's set a baseline for our ECW watches. We kind of have an idea of what, what kind of to expect. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. They're still not here, guys. But the best moments was that springboard clothesline that the spider did on Sandman. That was a favorite of all of ours. I mean, getting to see Carrie Von Eric, which is a disappointing, surprising thing as well, but getting to see one more Carrie Von Eric match. That's cool. And then the Funk Gilbert I Quit match. It's vicious. It's hardcore to, you know, it's the exact definition that you want on that. And, and, and we all agreed on that. Disappointing, most disappointing for us. They definitely didn't like, like I said, they didn't like this show. So they were very disappointed in, you know, the first two or three matches were guys that they had never heard of, had no clue, never going to make it past where they're at. So the wrestling's not that great. I get it. Best performer of the night. We gave it to Terry Funk. Terry Funk's the master of the hardcore match and he showed it in this. If you watch this, if you've made it this far listening to me talk about us talking about this, then you should definitely go and find at least that part two of that video on Daily Motion and watch this Terry Funk Eddie Gilbert match. It's it's really good. It's worth the watch. And most surprising, like we said earlier, Davy Boy Smith. It's been three months since he had the IC belt. He won the championship at Wembley Stadium, main eventing the only Intercontinental Championship match to ever headline main event a a SummerSlam. I think even a pay-per-view altogether. And now, six months later, he's in this hotel convention lobby wrestling for two minutes against an even older wrestler that hasn't been around in quite some time. But it is what it is. Making their way to the ring! It's trivia time! Now, they're not here. So this makes this really weird. But I'm going to give you what their answers were. But this week, the category was pay per feud. We're back, and it's time to play the feud. Let's have it. I know, catchy name, right? So during this category, what basically happens is I give the last few matches of a show that we watched. It's something that we have watched. Basically, I'm going to name a match. First person to buzz in, they have to name the show and year to get it correct if they get it correct it's based on however many matches there are so if there's five matches usually usually there's five matches sometimes there's only four but if there's five matches they get five points if they get it on the first match if they wait all the way to the main event then they only get one point pretty simple but here was the question for the week the first match that i gave them brutus the barber beefcake Jake, the Snake Roberts, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Macho Man Randy Savage, 
and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Dangerous Danny Davis, Harley Race, Hercules, Honky Tonk Man, and Outlaw Ron Bass. Shane buzzed in and he guessed, he was like Survivor Series. And I was like, it's a good possibility. What year? And it took him a moment, but he got there. He got Survivor Series 1987, which was the correct answer, which put him in the lead at the moment. I then gave the other three matches, which was the Team Moolah versus Team Sherry women's Survivor Series match. We then had the Tag Team Survivor Series match that had the 10 people that you couldn't, like, literally couldn't even see the ring because there were so many people. And then the main event was Team Andre versus Team Hogan. Everyone remembers this one because it was a, a lead up to WrestleMania 4. Next week, Royal Rumble 1993. The boys will be back. I didn't lose that episode. But we're coming from California, so Shane will probably bring us some fun food from there, too. But the music from this week's show, it's the ECW theme song at the time, which was Sad But True by Metallica. And Terry Funk's theme song, Fanfare for the Common Man by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. If you like this show, and I hope you do, if you do, then you probably like all of our other ones. Because Michael and Shane bring a lot to this show. I'm kind of just the the straight man, and they're the they're they're the they're the brain and Jesse the body Ventura to my gorilla monsoon. But you can rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts app. You can hit us up on email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. If you want to let me know that this is a horrible idea to re-record this by myself just so you would have something to listen to, let me know. But if you also have some recipes for Shane, send us those at our email or on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week.